You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. It's one thing to be ignorant. It's one thing to be ignorant. But once you've presented the the information that is correct, if you continue on your path, you are willfully ignorant. You're willfully ignorant. Big difference. Big difference. That's why 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 5, in the context of God destroying the world in Noah's day, and he said by that same word, he's going to destroy the present world one day. You ready for it? In today's world, it's more important than ever to be educated. With debates going on in every area, we as Christians need to not only know the specifics, but also from a Christian standpoint. In debates on racism, politics, or any other area, we need to know what God has to say about the issue. So how do we educate ourselves? By reading the Bible. In today's message, Pastor Danny will encourage you to read your Bible for your own growth in Christ, but also for your own education on the current issues. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter 3, as he continues his message, A Confrontation with Truth. What is at stake here? I could talk about all kinds of things. There's the honor of God at stake, the honor of the Father. I must obey the Father. Jesus does. Some of his disciples threatened by the Supreme Court of their day, and they said, you judge whether it's right for us to obey you or God. And he's only going to do what the Father's telling him to do and say what the Father's telling him to do and do the, do the healing. The Father led him to do that. And there's a confrontation because of now truth in a human body. And so there's honoring the Father and obeying the Father. And then there's the proclamation of truth. There's also the demonstration of love. And just a little side nugget. It's not the message, but it's, but it's a little nugget. If you're not spanking your children and they're young enough to spank them, you're not really loving them. And you're not believing the Bible. Time out is one of the worst things invented by the world I know of. What a cruel thing to say, time out. I just... Now don't get me off on that. It's not the message. But whoever spares the rod hates their children. That's what the Bible says. That's not an emotional hatred. You say, no, I love them. You emotionally love them. But practically speaking, you don't because you're not doing what the Bible tells you to do. And you don't spank them in anger. And you don't spank them out of control. You know? And I'm not looking to be politically correct. I'm looking, to, I'm looking to live this book out. And I hope you are. And I see so many people in the church, parents, who sit and, and cross my desk sometimes, and they, I'd take them to the Proverbs about the spanking, and they say, we don't believe in spanking. Well, you don't believe in your Bible then. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Today. What is at stake here? 
I'll tell you what's at stake here. And let me tell you about telling you what is at stake here, what's not at stake here, and why Jesus will not back down. What is not at stake here is whether a Christian can dance or not. Are you for or against? Stand up, show us. Can you or can't you? Because our policy is some in Calvary Chapel can and some can't. I mentioned it last service. One of my friends a long time said, you know, I love going to weddings where they dance because that's the only time I get to dance as a Christian. You can dance in church. You can. And if you didn't know you can, you can. As long as you're doing it unto the Lord. Now, if you just want to go clubbing, that's a different thing. But if you want to dance unto the Lord, you can do it. But we're not, talking about, we're not talking about whether a Christian can have an alcoholic beverage or not. And the truth is, just like our policy on dancing, the policy of the Scripture is for one person it's wrong, for one person it's okay. All right? That's what the Scriptures teach. But that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about Calvinism versus Arminianism. We're not talking about whether you're pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, or pre-wrath. We're not talking about any of that stuff. We're talking about an issue that determines someone's eternal destiny. That's what we're talking about here. And that is why Jesus will not back down. On other issues, sometimes we just say we're going to agree to disagree and it's not worth a fight. It's not important enough to fight over and divide over and disfellowship over. But this one is. And that's why Jesus will not back down. Because if he doesn't confront the false religious beliefs of the day, people are going to die and go to an eternity without God. And they will be damned. You say, where do you get that kind of stuff, Jesus? He said, what are you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites? You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. These are people who are sincere, believe in God, they're devoted, but they are headed for a Christless eternity. And there are people like that in the world. And we're the only ones that have the truth. And I'm not saying that self-righteously or arrogantly, it's just that it is what it is. It's not my words, it's what this book says. This is my authority. It's Jesus' authority. And that's why he won't back down. There is a way that seems right unto a man, and the end there are over the ways of death. And last but not least, in the confrontation, rather than repent and accept the truth, they're stubborn hearts. Stubborn. They had presented an undeniable truth, and they denied it. It's one thing to be ignorant. It's one thing to be ignorant. But once you've presented the, the information that is correct, if you continue on your path, you are willfully ignorant. You're willfully ignorant. Big difference. Big difference. That's why 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 5, in the context of God destroying the world in Noah's day, and he said by that same word, he's going to destroy the present world one day. Get ready for it. And then it says, in light of that truth, some people deliberately forget that long ago, this is what God did. And based on that, he says he's going to do it in the future. Only next time it's going to be by fire. 
They deliberately forgive. The old King James got it more correct. It's translated willingly ignorant of. It was the same way in the days of the prophets. God wrote through Jeremiah the prophet, these wicked people who refuse to listen to my words, who follow the stubbornness of their hearts. So there are the points. The context, the collaboration, the confrontation. But now, I think the most important part. What do we learn from that? What do you take from that? And I'll tell you the first is, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but how do you respond when confronted with truth? You know, some people being confronted with truth probably right now in this service, watching by live stream or physically here, you're being confronted with the truth. And what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What have you done? What they did is repeatedly rejected to the point that they had disdain for Jesus. And then it's like, I don't want anything to do with him. As a matter of fact, go ahead and kill the guy. And he said, that's not my feeling. Well, still, there are different levels, right? Different levels. What do you do with truth? The Bible says the wise man, when rebuked, becomes wiser. The wise man, when instructed, gains in learning. But the fool mocks, goes his own way. Don't be a fool. The second And very important, if you're worth your salt, if you're really a Christian, you're really saved, you really have the Holy Spirit living inside you, then there's a great need in our world, in our day, to stand for truth, and especially the truth of the gospel, because that is the eternal issue. We can talk about other non-essentials. We can debate in a godly way the other issues of doctrine, but this is the one. It is the eternal question and the eternal issue. Don't caught up. Don't get caught up in the side things. Keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is that people are dying and they're going to hell. And we're the only ones that have the answer. And you have people in your world that will never maybe be in my world unless they get saved and become part of our church fellowship. They'll never, never hear me preach. They'll never have an opportunity for me to share with them. But they have you. One of my dreams, one of my dreams, a very serious, I mean a real dream, and I believed it was going to happen. I, I dreamed when I was young that I was going to be a rock star. I still every now and then sarcastically say to my wife, I think it's sarcastic. I I say, you know, I could have been somebody. And I love the Beatles when I was just very young, when they came out and they were, I would not, I loved Ringo so much that I went to the five and dime and I bought a bunch of rings and I put them all over my fingers. I had a thing on my wall in my bedroom and said, Ringo, Ringo. And I love John, Paul, George, and Ringo. I love the Beatles, followed them. They were, they were idols of mine. Some of my first idols. But not my only idols. Other rock groups began to come up, you know, after the Beatles, especially after the Beatles broke up and they went their own ways, you know, and I still followed Paul McCartney. And, and when I became a Christian, I began to pray. And, and I want you to know I still pray. You know, I prayed. I prayed yesterday for Paul McCartney and for Ringo. No good to pray for George Harrison and John Lennon anymore. Their destiny is determined. They're gone. 
But I pray for them. I pray for the ones left. I pray for these rock stars. I wanted to be a rock star. These guys were my idols. I thought if I, if I can make it there, man, that's, that's where it is. I finally come to realize how foolish that is. I was saddened. I was saddened years ago to learn that Cat Stevens, one of my idols, and he, I didn't like his music at first that much, but one of my buddies, and he and his brother played Cat Stevens songs, and I was in a band with one of these guys for a period of time, and uh, I began to like, really like some of Cat Stevens stuff. Another band I really loved was um, uh, Yes. And I was really saddened when I heard that Cat Stevens had become a Muslim, but I was, I was elated when years ago I heard that Rick Wakeman had become a Christian. Rick Wakeman played organ, really cool organ too, uh, for a band called Yes. And both Cat Stevens and uh, Yes, they, they're British, products of the British invasion, they call them. Now I realized, because I was asking some of the band members yesterday, you ever heard of Cat Stevens? I have no idea who that is. <laughs> you know who Rick Wakeman is? Never heard of him. You ever heard of Yes? No. <laughs> the great need to stand for and proclaim truth, especially the truth of the gospel. Let me give you some rock and roll trivia. Cat Stevens' version of uh, the song, Morning is Broken, that was originally a Christian hymn published in 1931. It lasted 45 seconds in its original publication. Cat Stevens' producer, when he was going to record it, said, well, you can't put a 45-second song on your album vinyl album. It's a vinyl. Got it. So when he produced the vinyl teaser in the fire cat, the song hit number six on the billboard chart in 1972, number one on the US easy listing chart. The piano arrangement on cat Stevens morning is broken was arranged and composed by Rick Wakeman. There's the connection. The original was 45 seconds. Cat Stevens' producer said it can't be 45 seconds. So Rick Wakeman's going to play on it. And Cat Stevens walks into the studio that day, and he hears Rick Wakeman just fooling around on the piano. He goes, hey, that's kind of what I wanted on the beginning of Morning is Broken and maybe the end and possibly somewhere in the middle. He said, well, I can't give you that because I'm working on this. This is one of the songs I'm putting on my solo album I'm working on, which later became the song Catherine Howard. And if you listen to the song Catherine Howard by Rick Wakeman, you hear the very similarity of the piano on Morning is Broken. So Cass Stevens convinced Rick Wakeman to adapt what he was working on to put on Morning is Broken. There's a point to all this. I was saddened to learn years ago that Cass Stevens had become a Muslim. He sold all of his guitars at the time. Or charity, moved to a Muslim community. I understand he started touring again, at least in England, in 2014. He's still a Muslim, changed his name to Yusuf, Yusuf Islam. Rick Wakeman, I was elated years ago to hear that he had become a Christian. Until I read this article and hear the words of Rick Wakeman. I'm a Christian in my beliefs, but I have a view that I know a lot of people disagree with. It's my own personal view that we have lots of religion and beliefs around the world, including Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, and Christianity. And in fact, there are a lot of different denominations within Christianity. I believe there's just one God. It's the same one. We all have different routes of getting to that God. At the end of the day, we all have our own beliefs in the ultimate power, but it's the same God with different names. 
When Cat Stevens converted to Islam, a lot of people said to me, you did mourning is broken with him and you're a Christian. You should tell him that Christianity is what he should be looking at, not Islam. I said, you know what? I'm thrilled he converted to Islam because he found a faith. He's found something he can believe in that he's been looking for. I'd be more upset if he never found anything. I feel sorry for people who don't find anything. And now one of my former rock idols who I'd prayed for, and I was excited they became a Christian, but the type of Christian he calls himself now, I, I wrote, for me, I feel sorry for Rick Wakeman and the people he's leading astray by his erroneous perspective of truth. It's going to take courage. It's going to take courage. And sometimes it's going to take a deflation of your own well, it's just a disappointment. Like mine was when I read what I read from Rick Wakeman. And now I realize he, to believe that and to teach that, can you really truly be saved? And last but not least, it's going to take courage because you might as well just expect the persecution and possibly the hatred. Because the world will get together against Christ and against Christianity when they won't get together for any other reason. And they don't have to have a reason. Jesus said, if they hated me, they'll hate you. Jesus said, if they hated, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. What are you so what are, you, what are you surprised at? I get a lot of books. People give me stuff. I can't read all the stuff people give me. A lot of times it'll sit on my shelf and I'll consider reading it and it eventually gets given to somebody else. And I'm sorry for that, but it is what it is. I can't read everything people give me or it gets in the trash if I think it's just, you know, uh, this one was given to me a few months ago. It sat on my shelf. Um, I thought, well, it's a great title. Maybe I'll read it sometime. Fatal Drift is the church losing its anchor. That's a, that's the headline. And I was studying this message and God brought this book to my mind. I got it off my shelf and I pretty much read the whole thing. This past week, I'm just going to read you one statement the author makes. There exists for the first time in my lifetime, a very real possibility that preaching the Bible may land you in jail in the United States. Current conversations about hate speech may in fact find their way into the law books in Europe and Canada. This is already the case. Now that I've taken you back to the day of my rock and roll, uh, let me take you in that day also that after I became a Christian, I was acquainted with a man named Francis Schaeffer. He lived in 1912 to 1984. He wrote several things. He was a Christian theologian and philosopher. Uh, he wrote a book called The Evangelical Disaster. And in it, he says, and this he said the year that he died, as we have now come to the famed year 1984, what we need in light of the accommodation around us, compromise. Is, in a, is a generation of radicals for truth and for Christ. We need a young generation and others who will be willing to stand for loving confrontation, but real confrontation with the current forms of the world spirit as they surround us today. Daniel Henderson, I'm reading his new book, which I think is his best. It's called Old Paths, New Power. Don't have time to read what I planned on reading, but he mentions on page 24 and 25... Another book that came out in 2013 called The Great 
evangelical recession where the writer talks about the reality that the church is declining in America and that liberalism is increasing. And you have now some people who call themselves Christian and yet they've denied the inerrancy of the Bible, etc., etc. And that's the way we're moving. What we need is revival, but apart from a true genuine revival, you younger people, when I say younger, if you're anywhere below 30, to me, you're really young. It costs more today to stand for Christ than it did in the days I was listening to Yes and Cat Stevens. And it's going to cost more for you if we continue the same trend. One guy noted in the great evangelical recession, New York Times columnist Nicholas Kristof, himself not a Christian, described his concern about increasing hatred toward Christians in the leading edges of society, writing, here's what he says, listen, in liberal circles, evangelicals constitute one of the few groups that it's safe to mock openly. That's the world we live in. One of the best ways Satan deceives is through religious deception. My God says, love all men, love all men. And my Jesus was willing to die for the truth of the gospel, which is the only hope of salvation. Muhammad Ali knows now that Allah is not the true God. And that saddens me because I at least respected Muhammad Ali. One of the sayings that he coined, I don't know if you caught this, that they, I, I heard as I was listening to some of the news media about his death. One of the things he said he said, live every day like it was your last because one day you'll be right. If you die of old age, you're still dead. Death is death. And eternity is what follows. And if you live a homosexual lifestyle and you're not willing to repent and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're headed for an eternity that you do not enjoy at all. All I'm doing is I'm trying to, I'm trying to tell you what, what the text represents here. And the truth is, it's a false religion that inspired that massacre. But the truth is, if those people in that nightclub living the homosexual lifestyle had never repented and trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, maybe there was a backslidden Christian among the group. I don't know. Only God knows. But if they died without Christ, they're in hell. And the heterosexual who's living an immoral lifestyle and never repents and receives Christ as Lord and Savior you're going to go to the same hell that the homosexual goes to. And God loves both the homosexual and the heterosexual. He loves all men for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And that is the only message that will save their soul. And if you know Christ as Lord and Savior, when God gives you an opportunity, lovingly, courageously, tell them about Jesus. I always know what time it is. Story is told that Alexander the Great was judging some men in his army for offenses in battle. One young soldier came forward and the charge was read, cowardice in battle. Something Alexander especially despised. When I asked his name, Alexander thought he had, he had not heard correctly. So he asked him again, what, son, what was your name? To which he replied again, Alexander, sir. To which Alexander stood to his feet and looked this young soldier eyeball to eyeball. And he said, son, change your conduct or change your name. And I say to you, if you're a Christian 
and you're not on fire for Jesus Christ. Not only are you going to suffer as a result, there are people in your world that are headed for a Christless eternity, and you're the one that has the answer. Change your conduct or change your name. Thanks for joining us today to study the book of Mark on the Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings throughout the Bible at our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to stay up to date with the latest teachings and videos. Feel free to share them with your friends and family. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or would simply like to talk with us, please send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send that email. In addition to that, we'd love to meet you in person. So if you're in the St. Petersburg area, join us for our weekly services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We're also live streaming our services for those who are at home or live further away. We look forward to worshiping with you. Find out more on our website. Once more, that's ccfstpete.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today. There's more to learn in the book of Mark. Pastor Danny will continue looking into this important gospel book right here on The Living Word.